So one of the things that is um, most amazing about this, this teaching is our opportunity to continuously have our thoughts and our ideas expanded and stretched by new, new opportunities, new possibilities, new ideas. And so please join me in welcoming the man who stretches us every day, every week, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Joe Nolan, wherever he is, thank you. I just heard you're welcome from somewhere. (laughs) Wherever Joe is, he's listening. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So here we are on Grey Cup Sunday. And I have to tell you that I don't care who wins as long as it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'm good either way, I gotta tell you. But I have so many people I love deeply that care deeply. So I'm pulling for my pals. <laughs> it becomes part of our DNA, DNA, the tribe, you know what I mean? Our tribes. So, um, so this is just a beautiful opportunity to come together. We are the tribe of humanity. And it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome idea. And it's an awe-filled idea of our connection with one another that is so deep and sweet. I'm going to have to shut up and just sing here a little bit. So I'm going to invite anyone that would like to stand with me to sing. Please feel free. If not, please stay seated. If you're here for the first time, it'll be okay. We'll all be back in our chairs in a moment. We're going we're gonna to sing and pray. In this very room There's quite enough love For all of And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit For spirit Is in this very room In this very room In this very room. And so what I invite you to know with me, as we acknowledge collectively, and I will speak in the I am, but in that I am of our connectedness, one life, perfect life, spirit's life, in and through and as my life, right here, right now, there is no separation. And I stand in that zero point of life, grounded in that that quantum state of beauty, and openness and emptiness. And in that, I know that every right idea shows up in my experience, as it does for you. Wherever we are on our journey, whatever the challenges and the opportunities are before us, in this moment, our next step is made clear. And that is enough, because once we have taken that step, the next step will be made clear. And I give thanks for that. I give thanks to stand in this faith, in this beauty, in this beautiful tradition with you. 
and understand that as we continue to reveal spirit by means of our own individualized expressions of life, that life has its way by means of us, in and through and as us. And this day, this moment, that is enough. And I'm grateful for this. I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation, knowing every right thing is called forth in each one of our awarenesses, here and now. For this I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me, knowing it is done, and so it is. Thank you. Please be seated. Reverend Connie pointed out to me today, I wasn't thinking, great cup, I put a blue shirt on by mistake, so I... But I do have a green band on my, my underwear, so... I'm balanced out. I don't want you to take anything. Don't infer anything with this. Yeah, Jim's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love watching those guys walk around town. It's amazing to see the outfits, the creativity. I never would have thought of some of that stuff. Anyway, so here we are. Today is as uh, inspired by Dr. Ernest Holmes' book. If you're here for the first time, Dr. Ernest Holmes is our founder, and he's... He's, he's over there somewhere. Oh, he's in the back over there. And you'll see a banner. We have banners of our, some of our heroes up. And Dr. Holmes <clears throat> did not discover anything. He just synthesized ancient wisdom. He was a prolific reader, a student of philosophy, spirituality, and psychology. And he, he came to some understandings of the perennial truth, that which is part of our legacy and our opportunity to carry forth in our lives. And today's lesson is entitled, Healing is a Revelation. And I want to share this with you. It's uh, one, two, three, four short paragraphs in this book that we've been using, Living the Science of Mind. It's a wonderful book. And some really wonderful insights into how we, how we he and, and our opportunity to join him in this awareness and approach to our lives has continued to, to unfold on our planet. Now, he talks about the practitioner. And the practitioner is someone that, that has studied... The, the art and science of, bless you, of affirmative prayer. An affirmative prayer differs from conventional prayer in that we, the, the, the first step in um, affirmative prayer is the recognition of the one life common to all, which we just did. We just did an affirmative prayer as we entered into this conversation. And then it is <clears throat> understanding that we are, that is our life. There's no separation. And then it, it, it proceeds and there's various styles and forms, and, and Dr. Holmes talks about it here, but a practitioner is someone that has, has gone through a series of cl- classes and done enough work personally to be able to be of service at a level of clarity that helps support a person into um, a shift in their consciousness, which looks like healing. But in fact, the only thing that uh, healing, as he said, is not a, a journey, it's a revelation. So he says, the practitioner should know that at the center of every person's being, and I'm going to make a general uh, gender friendly here, uh, because he says every man, he uses the, the masculine uh, to describe many times, but he really means everyone. He wrote this in probably 1929. The practitioner should know that at the center of every person's being, there's an absolute perfect life, a completely whole and a deathless principle. The work of the practitioner is to mentally uncover this ever-present reality, this changeless and eternal perfection. In the uncovering process, the practitioner may use many forms of thought, and that's part of the art. Because there's a, there's a conversation that goes on. And, and if we're listening, if we're able to listen, we're always listening. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a subjective quality that each practitioner brings to the, to the uh, relationship. His thought may take the form of reasoning, logic, argument, affirm, affirmation, denial, or, or realization. 
The form of mental procedure is not important. The important factor is whether or not the form which they use causes their own mind to believe, to understand, and to accept the perfect and spiritual nature of his client. So the work that's being done as a practitioner, all of the work is done within ourselves. It's all done here. So really, when you sit down and pray with a practitioner, they're not casting a spell. They're not trying to convince you of anything. They're convincing themselves. That's what we do as practitioners. It's really the shift and change in consciousness within ourselves. Suppose we were told that a beautiful diamond ring lay at the bottom of a trunk filled with rubbish and that it should be ours when we should succeed in uncovering it. Should we care very much what method we use to remove the rubbish? The main thing would be to find the diamond. We should feel justified in using any method which would enable us to do this. This is equally true in spiritual mind healing. We must uncover the perfect person. We must remove every obstruction of thought which denies this presence, this experience. So spiritual mind healing is a revelation even though we go through a process to arrive at it. Each one of us must work out in our own method and pursue our own logic. If this method and logic lead to the right conclusion, we will be rewarded by an affirmative answer. And so it's, it's very interesting. As he wrote this back in the 20s, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's wonderful that someone was able to, you know, he was a prolific writer. An amazing, amazing man. And I have such great gratitude for his legacy of articulating and writing things down, which gives us a rope to latch on to. In our Prosperity Plus class, Mary Man and Morrissey, this afternoon we meet during, somebody just asked me for canceling the classes this Great Cup Sunday, and I said, no, but I know you won't be there, so it's okay, we love you. <laughs> but <clears throat> you'll, you'll be with their, us there energetically, and everyone has the material, so if they miss a class, they can catch up with the, on the CDs. But Mary Man and Morrissey talks about various states of being on the planet. She talks about this idea, and she, you, have a little, you have a little yellow piece of paper in your program if you look at it, because I wanted you to have some, a little bit difficult for me to draw on the air and have you follow this. So if you want to pull that out, it might be a nice little guide. It's a little yellow sheet, and on the sheet, it has four squares. The bottom left, as you look at it, talks about low attachment, low participation, states of being. Now imagine along the left border, it says attachment. And imagine on the bottom, it says, it, it says participation. So you've got attachment coming down the left side, and you've got participation across the bottom. So a big box along the, the left side, attachment. Along the bottom, along the horizon, it says participation. And so if we start out at low attachment to life and to outcome, as she said, in low participation, she describes that as almost being in a state of being dead. Very little activity, very little desire and passion that we bring to life. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a very, Dr. Troward talks about it in the, the levels of uh, states of aliveness. So low attachment, low participation. And I think we've all had that encounter, either personally or with another person. But low attachment, low participation. Then she talks about high attachment, which is we have the idea, we really want to see something take shape in our lives, but we're, we don't really participate in it. It'd be like, it'd be like Karen wanting to play the, the saxophone, but never taking a lesson. One day I'm going to play the saxophone, and I'm really excited about it, but never doing anything, never going and taking a lesson, never studying any music. And we, we've all had that experience, once again, either in our own lives or another life. The third one she talks about is high attachment, high participation. And this is a very popular idea, because that's the type A personality. Not only am I highly attached to it, I'm going to do everything possible to make it happen. I've lived most of my life like that. 
And the interesting thing is, is the more that I was driven in the behavior, the more I would seem to push things away. So I decided rather than just work one full-time job, I'll work two full-time jobs. And I'm going to double my income. But what happens is you're so exhausted to live a normal life, you, you eat every meal in a restaurant because you have no time to go shopping and you have no energy to cook anything for yourself. And it's very interesting how that, but you see that behavior unfold and it's sort of a, for me it was sort of a, a, a snowball running downhill and, you know, gathering mass as it kept spinning. And she talks about the last box down on the right, low attachment, high participation. Low attachment, high participation. And low attachment is that, <clears throat> is the idea that, is that Jesus once said, to be in the world but not of the world. And it's really about understanding all of us have gifts and talents and skills. Every one of us. You've heard me say this many times, but the, the whole purpose for us being here is to unleash our gifts and our talents and our skills on this planet. When we're in alignment with that, when we are revealing that, everyone benefits. But also not attached to outcome. If we are giving our gifts, if we are giving the best of ourselves to whatever's before us, then whatever results from that is right and perfect. Whatever, however it shows up. But it's difficult to get there. It's difficult to stay in that state. And I want to share with you, I, I was guided this week, did a lot of, uh, I did a lot of um, spiritual practice this week. It was a really um, uh, event-filled week for me. And I realized that, you know, when things, when things start to unfold in your life at a certain level of, of uh, intensity, it's so important to have spiritual practice. And so it was in prayer and a lot of meditation and, and listening and, and, and just paying attention that was showing up. And I was inspired to look at the, there's a doctor by the name of Dr. E. And I know many of you know about this. We've talked about it before. He's a Hawaiian doctor. He's 70. He's in his 70s now. And if you go online and if you go on YouTube and you, you, you uh, type in Dr. Hugh, H-E-W-L-E-N, Hugh Len, you'll find him on YouTube. And actually, Dr. Rick Moss, the interview I watched with him, Dr. Rick Moss has been with us and is a one of our ministers, a graduate of our tradition, and also a, a therapist, uh, and has been here as a speaker and facilitator, is, in, is participating in the interview, and it's at the Asilomar meeting grounds. So Dr. E flew in, and his first name is E. Aliakala. E. Aliakala. Easy for me to say, E. Aliakala. And then it's uh, Hugh Len. So they call him Dr. E. And Joe Vitale wrote a book called The Zero Limits. You may, if you've seen the movie The Secret, Joe's the chiropractor that's in the, in the movie. And Dr. E has a, a process that he calls cleaning. Cleaning. And it's a wonderful, if you want to know more about it, I'm going to touch upon it for another 10 minutes. We've got, the, um, we've got some fun things after I get finished here. Not that this shouldn't be fun. But, uh, but Dr. E has come up with this very simple little process. And I have to tell you something, that I have been in, invested in this for the last 24 hours hugely because I realized I was spinning in so much activity and I realized, where's all this activity going? Where's this mental activity going? And so his process is this. He said, it's, it's four steps. Wherever he is, he says, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And he explains it. <clears throat> he said, number one, for all of us, and I believe this is true, if we are all connected, if there's one life, God's life, then we are all cells in that, that larger body. And yet we're all individualized. We've been given dominion. We can make choices. We can choose wherever we are. That's one of the unique things about the human experience. We can always choose. We're always a choice. 
100% responsibility. And what he says, now, are we 100% for everything? Dr. E would say yes. What, he's responsible, what we are responsible for is 100% of the, responsible for the data that is going on inside us. There's data going on inside of us all the time. Have you noticed that? Have you ever noticed when the, the repetitive thoughts, the thinking over and over? It's the, that's the data. And he uses Shakespeare's sonnet 146. He starts out saying, oh, oh poor soul. And then that whole sonnet is about the human condition and how we, we go to sleep into the darkness. We fall asleep. We get into low attachment, low participation. That's a possibility. And that's a choice. And I have been there at times myself. But the point is, none of us are stuck there. We don't have to get a zip code there. And what he says about this is when we take 100% responsibility for the data going on in us, you understand that the mind is a stage. Shakespeare said that as well. All life is a stage. And the data are the characters running around on the stage. And so <clears throat> the data can be erased. The data can be erased. And his tool for erasing, he calls it cleaning, is I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And I'm, I'll explain that. Jesus said, love your enemies. And as, as Dr. E says, the only enemy is the data. It's the memories. We can live from our memories or we can live from inspiration. It's our choice. And so why does, it, why does this guy have any validity? Why, why, why is this stuff important? The, and he calls this process the cleaning. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. He calls it the ho'oponopono. Ho, ho'oponopono. And it comes from the Hawaiian tradition. He said, as a matter of fact, in this interview, he said, there's no such thing as huna. You know, people say, well, I met this huna in Hawaii. He said, in Hawaii, we don't have hunas. That was a white man's description for a... a kind of a, a medicine man in our culture. There's no such thing as Huna. But he, but he says that when we do the cleaning, we enter into eventually the quantum, what quantum physics calls the phantom force of nothing. The phantom force of nothing. Because the data, the data gets clean. So we're not trying to affect anyone else. But I, it's so, it is so um, parallel to the work of a practitioner, the quote that I read to you at the beginning of this from Dr. Ernest Holmes. They are identical. The language is different. But what the I love you is, is that there's oneness of life. I love you. I love you so much I'm connecting with you at that, that, that deep level. And we can do this silently. So what happened to Dr. E? He got invited. He, was a, he, was, he has a, a medical degree as a, psycho, a psychiatrist, I believe. And he went to work at the Hawaii State Hospital. And they brought him in, and he said, I don't want this job. I don't want to do this, this. I'm not interested. And his friend said, I need your help. And so they asked him to work with the criminally insane. These are people that have done horrific things, from rape to murder to everything in between and beyond. And he said, I don't want to do this. And he said, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, I want you to work with these patients and help them move them along, because what, what they were finding was is that there was all kinds of rage going on still and anger and people acting out within the, the hospital. And they were trying to find a way, rather than just restrain people, they were trying to find a way to make a difference. So he said to them, well, I can do that from home. I don't need to come and I don't have to be there. Just send me the names. And he said, we, we can't do that. It's confidential. You have to be here. We can't let any of that information out. So he said, okay. And so he went there. And most of you know the story, but he but he, what he did, well, for those of you that don't, I'll be brief, he would sit with the files every day. He never met with a patient, personally. He would sit with the files, he'd look at their picture, and he would ho-ho-ho-pono-pono them. 
I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And within a period of years, the, the chronic uh, anger and frustration and rage that was going on within this hospital uh, got to the point where they, almost, they didn't need to be putting... No one was put into isolation anymore. And they started to introduce programs of getting the, the, these people that they were treating into uh, activities like uh, tennis and going for hikes, where in the past they wouldn't even let them out of the building. But that what they found was over a period of time, doing this practice. Now, he wasn't interacting in any way, shape, or form. See, Dr. Holmes said as a practitioner, we don't need to be in the same room. There's one mind common to all. And when we impress, impress upon it a, a clear intent, that intent is impressed upon this one mind that we, are, we all come from. We all come from source. And that's where the, that's where the juice is. That's where the, the beautiful opportunity is for the shift and change. But Dr. O said, I didn't do this for them. When someone would come in and I'd read the, the dossier, what they've done, he said, I, I immediately started cleaning. Because when, the I love you is connection. I'm sorry is that if we're all one, then something within me has helped support this experience for you. And he said, so I would always look there. What have I done in my life? What am I carrying with me that supported this experience? And so he would go to work cleaning. He said, I'm always cleaning. He said, I'm, I've been doing this 30 years. Every day I'm cleaning. He said, when I got a call to come and do this interview with you here at Asilomar with Dr. Rick Moss, and I believe her name is Rita It'll come to uh, Reynolds, I think, is their last name. But anyway, he said, as soon as I get a call to do an interview, I start cleaning. And I clean, and I clean, and I clean. He says, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. He said, he does it with everything. He does it with chairs. He does it with everything, because everything's alive. He said, this carpet up here, it's oil. This comes from the earth. And he said, everywhere I go. He said, when I came in the room, and they had the video camera, they said, I was cleaning the camera. Because I don't know what that camera did before I got here, whose picture it took. But there's energy there. And it's alive. I mean, this is a guy that's really in touch with life in a way that's just amazing. And so, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. He says, all I'm doing, he said, is cleaning myself up. I'm just cleaning myself up. And he, and, and he says, when we clean ourselves up, the information that, that is most valuable for the other people in our, in our environment, they have a chance to hear it. And I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? Isn't that a powerful idea around this idea of connection with spirit? I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whatever's within me that helps has supported this experience within you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Which is that humility. It's understanding. It's not I. He says, all we do is make the offer. We make the appeal. And the divine does the deleting. We just make the appeal. The divine does the delete. I went to a um, conference a couple weeks ago, and, and there was a wonderful conference, Empowering Edmonton. And there were a number of great speakers there. And one of the speakers that was there was Laurieanne Munzer, who won the gold medal for short uh, track cycling in 2004. And she got up and she said, I want to show you something. The picture behind her, she had a picture of a devil and an angel. And she said, I found myself training for this. And every once in a while, the devil would start to take over. And so she said, what my practice was then was I'd go like this. And she stepped over like this. She said, delete, delete. It wasn't going there. Because there were a lot of things, there were stories around that, that, that people were saying about her, about age and, and everything else, that were not supporting her in achieving what was her passion. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And this man travels all over the world now. In the interview, he said, I'm going to Singapore because there's a banker there that has asked me to come and do some work with their, the environment. But all we need to do is make the appeal. We're not the healers. So it's one of the things Dr. Holmes talks about. We're not the healers. We are the ones that can help facilitate a new idea and give birth to it, but the healing is really from the divine.
to move us forward. Dr. E spent several years in that hospital, and people wanted to know what he was doing. He said, I just kept cleaning here, cleaning myself, cleaning myself, cleaning myself. He said, I didn't do anything to them. I just kept cleaning. So our choice is memory, which is data, or inspiration, which is the language of the divine. So as soon as I said, as soon as he starts to, he gets an invitation to go to an interview, what he does is he cleans. And he said, whenever anybody calls me to do an interview, he said, I, I, the first thing I get is no. First thing he says, I just intuitively know, I get no. So he says, what I do is I clean. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. He says, I clean and I clean and I clean until I get a yes. And if I don't get a yes, I don't go. Because he said, he said, you know, a lot of us know about muscle testing. I'm a, you know, I talked about muscle testing. The chiropractor will make an adjustment and he'll check with the muscle testing. But we can also use it intuitively. And, there's, and, and um, David Hawkins articulates it beautifully in his book. Another way of doing it, people work with pendulums. And you can hold a pendulum and, and ask, for, show me a yes, and it'll spin a certain way, and show me a no, it'll spin. But he said, the challenge with that is, he said, if you're not at zero, see, the cleaning brings us to that quantum place, that absolute, as he called it, that phantom force of nothing. He said, if you're not at zero, it will affect the pendulum. If you're not at zero, it will affect the muscle testing. And so with all of it, so what did Dr. Holmes say? There's one life common to all, and that's my life. So in the prayer work, if we don't as practitioners and and people that use this teaching clear, clear ourselves enough to be truly in that state into that state of the phantom force of nothing, it will affect the quality of our prayer work. That's why I've, many times I've said to people, those first two steps are really important. I've been cleaning all morning, everything. Because, you know, I, I, I jumped into this information and I thought, you know, I just got to get myself back into a, a space where I can be of service to this, this bigger idea. If, if my life and your life is spirit's life, if it's God's life, if you're okay with the G word, because some people have got the G word wounds, and I get that. And you know what? I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. There's nothing for me to fix with anyone. As a practitioner, we don't do anything to another person. It's within our consciousness. It's within our awareness. You know, I, I was watching... Uh, Just somebody calling to see what time she'll be at the game. <clears throat> One of the great books, The War of Art. I've got to tell you a great story about this. I don't know how long ago, Bernadette's over there. She came to me with a series of CDs. I just want to tell you how this works, because this is such a great personal story. But Bernadette came to me with a series of CDs she had gotten at the, the uh, library. And she said, I think these would be helpful. And I probably was hinting around with things that were going on. It's called, it was called The War of Art. And so... I don't know how many years went by, probably two or three, whatever it was, and I gave them back to her. I never got a chance to look at them. And then I picked this book up two, two weeks ago or a week ago, and I read it. It's a very wonderful book. And, and I was talking about it again in our practitioner class on Monday night. And Bernadette said, don't you remember when I gave you those CDs? And I said, no, I don't. Did I give them back to you? And she said, yes, you did. And so, but I said to her, you know, the interesting thing is for all of us, we have to be open to the information. We have to be, we ha- there has to be a, a permeability to all of us on our journey. And so I wasn't ready for the information. 
But it's a wonder, wonderful book. I used it a lot last week, but I wanted to share this. When Krishna, you know the story of Krishna and Arjuna it comes from the Bhagavad Gita, which is part of the Hindu tradition. When Krishna instructed Arjuna that we have a right to our labor, but not to the fruits of our labor. How about that for, for a high, high um, uh, participation, low attachment? We have a right to our labor, but not the fruits of our labor. He was counseling the warrior to act territorially, but not higher not from hierarchy. I can't pronounce a big long word, but he means hierarchy. We must do our work for its own sake, not for fortune or attention or applause. Then there's the third way proffered by the Lord of discipline, which is beyond both hierarchy and territory. That is to do the work and give it to him or her. Do it as an offering to spirit. Give the act to me, purge of hope and ego, fix the attention on the soul, act and do for me. The work comes from heaven anyway. Our life's Source, spirit is our source. Why not give it back? To labor in this way, the Bhagavad Gita tells us, is a form of meditation and a supreme species of spiritual devotion. Talked about devotion last week. It also, I believe, conforms most closely to higher reality. In fact, we are servants of the mystery. We were put here on earth to act as agents of the infinite, to bring into existence that which is not yet, but which will be through us. Every breath we take, every heartbeat, every evolution of every cell comes from God and is sustained by God every second. Just as every creation, invention, every bar of music, line of verse, every thought, vision, fantasy, every dumbass flop and stroke of genius comes from the infinite intelligence that created us in the universe. In all its dimensions, out of the void, the field of infinite potential, primal chaos, the muse. To acknowledge that reality, to efface all ego, to let the work come through us and give it back freely to its source. That, in my opinion, is as true to reality as it gets. And so this simple practice of bringing us back and cleaning. Dr. E says, I clean and clean. He says, when I'm with my grandchildren, I look at them and I silently say, I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. Whatever's going on in their lives. To stay in that state. He said, I want to be in the zero state. He said, why do I want to be in the zero state? Because I want to live in freedom. I want to live in freedom. And see, if we have no memory, if we don't carry the data with us, then every day is fresh and new. And, 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 then, we can, and, then, we can make, and then we can live and think from that divine source of life, which is our divine birthright. But what happens is we get so attached to the data, it's difficult. He said the most powerful thing that's happening right now, he's trained people to do this. And he said the people that we have trained have been the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst that we've trained to do this and share this on the planet. Because he said, when the worst of the worst are doing this, it's amazing the transformation that goes on because of the energy they carry with them. Isn't that amazing to take the, the, the people that have acted out so dysfunctionally and train them, give them the gift to keep cleaning? So that you're our, our opportunity this week. See, and that's about, that's about low attachment, high participation. I'm interested in that conversation. I'm, I'm interested in, the, in living from the freedom and living from, they call it zero, uh, zero limits. That's what Joe Vitale's book is about Dr. E. So we have an opportunity right now. Take that little, that, that yellow piece of paper right on the back. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. It takes you right to zero point eventually because there may be some cleaning to do. Maybe sometimes our houses haven't been cleaned for a while. Sometimes the temple's a little messy. It's okay. It doesn't matter what went before. It doesn't matter the data. It's cleaning it up.
And so it is.